Hello there guys and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat and I wish all of you a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holiday Season and a good end to 2020 and to bring out the end of 2020 for not only this podcast but in general, so this is the last podcast of the year, I am joined by my self-proclaimed co-host and girlfriend Megan as well as the always amazing Moxie Labouche. So Moxie's been on the show before, she actually came on episode 93 of Genuine Chit Chat, it was a nice big two-parter, so make sure you check that out too. And essentially we just got together to talk about some of the differences between how America and England celebrate Christmases in different ways. So a couple of quick bullet points of things we touch. Uh, we speak about pantomimes, Hallmark movies, eggnog, Christmas crackers, because I didn't even realise people outside the UK didn't have Christmas crackers, the difference between gravy in America and England, biscuits and cookies, the difference is there, John Lewis adverts, uh, Christmas caroling, Christmas cards, courgettes and zucchinis, which aren't especially Christmassy, but still they come up, and that sort of thing. It was a very fun conversation to have, and I think we're going to be doing more in the coming years of not only just Christmassy ones, but also American ones of just differences between the UK and the US because it's a lot of fun. There's no promo today, guys. I'm just going to let it all roll out. So, you know, once I've finished rambling at the start here, the music will play and then the main bulk of the chat will start. And then I'll be back right at the end of the chat to give you guys some updates of what you can expect in 2021, what's going on with my other show, Star Wars Comics and Canon, and a few other bits and pieces there. So, you know, I've included links to Moxie's website, her book, and her podcast in the show notes. And you should be able to find everything you need to there. But you can always contact me if you need anything anyway. And yeah, hope you guys enjoy the chat and I'll talk to you at the end. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. To give you an idea of what my foundation of knowledge is in terms of British culture, uh, British TV, not all of it, obviously, but my father and I used to watch um, Are You Being Served and Blackadder together. My husband and I watch a lot of um, British shows on YouTube, particularly uh, QI and Taskmaster, which are big, big favorites. But we'll see these things that are clearly important. They're clearly cultural touchstones that just don't exist in the U.S. or that we have only a vague kind of understanding on. And one of the big ones that uh, my impression is you couldn't have a U.K. Christmas without it, Christmas crackers. (laughs) (laughs) Will you tell the folks on my side of the pond, what is a Christmas cracker? I mean, gladly, I was actually surprised to find out that I only found out for sort of vague research of doing the podcast with you that Christmas crackers weren't a thing everywhere else. I, I knew that they weren't because of Italy. So I'm You're half cultured. I'm half Italian. So And you've travelled. You've lived in Spain well, and France yeah, and stuff. But... You've travelled. I'm, I'm just stuck. <laughs> I've been in the same town in England for But in, in Italy, they don't have Christmas crackers. And in Spain and France, they don't have Christmas crackers either. So whenever yeah, I... Yeah, but Italy has panettone, oh, yeah. <laughs> which makes up for a whole lot. That's like, that's like if brioche and cake had a sexy, sexy baby together. <laughs> I just had it for the first time last year, and we've been waiting for Christmas to come back around. Uh, honestly, there's so much of it in the UK. They sell it in like everywhere. it's everywhere at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you can get, you can get it. You know, the the kind in the the yellow cardboard kind of trapezoidal box. It shows up in in the major stores. 
Yeah, no, Panettone is. Uh, I I personally don't like it, but I know that Italian. people go nuts. Oh, yeah, I'm a fake Italian. Yeah, but um, yeah, Chris, <laughs> don't don't worry. I'm married to a Castelvecchi who can't pronounce Carpaccio without choking on his tongue. <laughs> <laughs> You're in good company. Um, Christmas crackers, yeah, they're a, they're a weird one. I whenever I used to go to Italy for Christmas, I used to take Christmas crackers with me, and my family would be like, I don't understand what this is. So well, let's let's explain it. So. It's, it's essentially a cardboard tube, probably uh, it's a toilet roll, um, the, the the plastic tube you get in, when you finish with a toilet roll. It's essentially that, but if it was sealed, so you've got a sealed cardboard cylinder, and then there are cardboard handles on it. Now, the cylinder in the middle is filled with three things, always three things, yeah. no more, no less. <laughs> and there is one no, tiny bit of paper that normally has some random bonus Christmas fact that everyone knows because there's only that, like 20 it's, of them it's, and a joke and a Christmas joke a really or bad a Christmas, Christmas riddle of yeah. some description okay so it's a Christmas riddle you normally get two of the three and yeah. look, if you get the fancy crackers, if you get the really expensive ones, oh you my gosh, some crackers, the prizes inside of them are absolutely well, well cracking. Oh god, am I right? <laughs> um, so you get this little piece of paper that has, yeah, as I said, all these jokes and riddles and um, facts that everyone's heard a million times because there's only about twenty altogether of all of them. So you just get the same ones every year, no matter yeah. what brand you and buy. And then you get a paper crown. You get the paper crown. That is, if you get the really, really, really expensive crackers that are like, you know, £20 for like six, or you get the really, <laughs> really cheap ones that are like a pound for six, they will both still have the exact same quality crown. I don't know what it is. And they will break immediately. So they're made out of tissue paper. Yeah. So it's like the thinnest paper you could imagine. And they're always really tight. They never fit on my head. They don't fit on anyone's head. Um, and then inside you also get a toy. Or a like toy you get you, <laughs> you get you get a gift of some description. Sometimes the best one is the mini screwdrivers. You get mini screwdrivers, you can mini get, nail clippers. <laughs> yeah, you can get mini nail clippers. Uh, you can get <laughs> Okay, I was picturing Cracker Jack prizes. <laughs> which I don't know if that has meaning I don't know to what you that guys. <laughs> okay, crack, Cracker Jack is caramel corn and peanuts oh. that co- comes in like an old-timey little cardboard box. Um, and they were their big claim to fame was that there was a prize inside, like in a cereal box. And just like with the cereal prizes and, and Happy Meal toys and stuff, they've gotten progressively more shit over the years. <laughs> they're just, they're getting cheaper and worse and less interesting over the years. So it might have started like as a uh, an actual toy with moving parts and these days it's a sticker well, the, the thing is with ours is the difference is there's been no progression so as in the no, toys they've always been rubbish get, the toys you get I, I swear what happened is in like the 60s there was this company that made Christmas cracker toys crowns and little bit slips of paper and they supply every single cracker maker in the whole of Britain and they always have done they've never changed anything because you could also get giant paper clips um you get what those little um oh there's those little fish yeah the little fish that you put them on your <laughs> you hand you put a fish in your hand and then it starts curling up into different and it starts curling up yeah this is this is a lot like desperate for a gift waiting in line at the gas station yeah. the thing is about christmas crackers is that we haven't actually explained how you even use them oh, they, yeah. they just yeah so they're, they're, they're cardboard, cardboard and then you attach to the cylinder yeah then you hold it with someone and then you each pull so that obviously you're both pulling on it and then it breaks and then there's some sort of like... Uh, I don't know what it's called. It's like a spark in there. I think it's like... It's, like two bits it's not gunpowder. It's, like like, it's almost like two bits of cardboard stuck that together. friction together and yeah. then they make a spark. And you pull them apart. And it makes a noise. Yeah. And then the person who gets the bigger side wins the stuff inside of the Yeah, cracker. so it's basically just uh, cardboard handles on a cardboard cylinder. Both people pull the handles and 
randomly one of you will get the cylinder on your end of the handle and then you get that prize. And I can safely say that it is literally never me. It's always me. I never win. <laughs> I always win them. But people like to... The fun things at Christmas, is especially when you get like a teenager who's been doing it for like... A few years, they think they've got the knack. And they're like, oh, no, I know how to win the Christmas crackers. I've got this method. And whenever someone says that, 100% of the time, they will not get it. Yeah. They will not win. It's, it's just one of those things. So you get terrible crown, terrible jokes. The gifts, they're not even presents. They're, it's almost just nah, like... the mini screwdrivers are a gift. They're great if you're moving out and you're young. <laughs> but with it was my parents who were like, you know, at the time when I was like 10, they were like 14, 50 years old. They've oh. got so many sets of these. Yeah, sometimes you can get a tiny, tiny little pack of cards. Oh, yeah, like, like a so tiny, small. Such a tiny little deck of cards. Like like the size of probably your thumb. Like yeah. that's the height of the I cards. I mean, are the, the mini screwdrivers, are they suitable for like eyeglass repair? Because that, for me, would be very yes, handy. They, yeah, yeah, that, that exact kind of screwdriver. Handy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're amazing. I can't imagine getting a second one of those in my life. <laughs> now, now, tangentially, when you're talking about who gets the bigger side wins... Do you guys do wishbones? Yeah. Yes. After... Mike and I literally did okay, that good. yesterday. Because we had a roast. Okay, good. <laughs> so, see, we have that in common. Yay. All right. Well, let's, let's ask you then something. Because some of the crazier things. Yes. I think eggnog is the big one. Yeah. Because eggnog's the thing okay. we I mean, it's a thing. I think we Adver- have it here. I think our, it, there's one brand of it you can get, and it's called Advocat. I do. And I think it's imported from like Poland or yeah, something. Yeah, but I don't really know what eggnog is. Nor do I. Well, then it's a good thing I'm here. And I, I, I vaguely remember in our first conversation, um, did we discuss the word soccer and how I, I volleyed that back to uh, no, America didn't come up with that, Britain did? Uh, same thing happened here. Now, eggnog in its current state, you can think of it kind of like a holiday milkshake because it's a, a very thick, rich sweet dairy drink with all of the warming spices that you'd expect this time of year, like cinnamon and nutmeg. Uh, The stuff you can buy ready-made in a carton, of course, pales in comparison to making it yourself. And just like with um, fruitcake and Christmas puddings and things like that, where you make it way, way, way in advance, and it just kind of gets better with age because uh, a good eggnog should be really, really, really boozy. And it'll also keep forever because nothing can grow with that amount of brandy or whiskey or rum. Because everyone who's got an opinion about eggnog has their way of making it, which is, of course, the only way to make it. But eggnog actually has the same root, it's believed, as a posset, which I think of as a kind of custardy thing that I only know because I watch watch one uh, YouTube channel called Sorted Food. I've seen that. Yeah, sorted. Sorted's a good one. Um, That's kind of a set custard. The original posset was um, a warm um, ale drink with milk and spices. And one of the things about eggnog, it was for showing off wealth. Because to have all of this cream and fresh eggs and these exotic spices and the alcohol, you had to be doing decently for yourself, you know, middle class or better. Though I think we also might have discussed the difference. If we didn't discuss, I meant to discuss the differences in British middle class versus American middle class. But we'll put a pin in that for later. Um, so because it's got those warming spices and you save it for special occasions, it became tied to the holidays. Colonists from England headed to the New World, brought it with them. And then somehow it stayed here and then kind of just fell out of favor <laughs> where it started. 
And now it's being regarded as a weird American thing. I'm like, uh, uh, uh. No, no, no. We didn't come up with this. We we might have kept it alive, but we didn't invent it. We've evolved it. past it, and you're still stuck in it. That's <laughs> what I'm hearing here. Um, here's, here's a question that links. Uh, it's kind of in line with the eggnog thing, so it doesn't count as a second question. I'm sticking to that. Is um, we often have? I don't know if you guys did, but Buck's Fizz. So we have it where I always had it. It was yeah, we have that. Yeah, so it's, well. it's orange juice with a small amount of champagne and it or prosecco or whatever fizzy wine you desire, and it's basically that's a mimosa. Is that, it, it, that's what a mimosa is. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, a mimosa is orange juice and champagne. I didn't know that. I don't we know why we specifically call it a Bucks Fizz, but it is basically a mimosa. Well, yeah. it's basically Bucks Fizz. It's meant to be called that because it's kind of like the equivalent, the wine equivalent of a shandy, but not quite a spritzer. It's like a wine spritzer, but fancy at Christmas. I just remember the only times I ever really have drank wine is when I was younger. And it would be Christmas morning and we'd have a meal or whatever. And then it would be, have a little, have a bit of Buck's Fizz. And I'd, you know, the amount of Prosecco or champagne I'd have in my Buck's Fizz was like, you know, quarter of a shot. Whereas my mum and dad would be more so half and half, if not more. So it's it says it's made of two parts champagne to one part orange juice. It's very similar to a mimosa. But... Oh, so it's but stronger. It's, so Buck's Fizz is slightly more stronger than a mimosa. So Buck's Fizz is two parts champagne, one part orange juice, whereas a mimosa is half and half. Also, I love the amazing thing is that when I Google Buck's Fizz, it comes up with the uh, our winning group for Eurovision. Because <laughs> they were called Buck's Fizz. <laughs> amazing. But yeah, eggnog, I don't think of it. Do you know what the, what the name refers to? Because when you first said it, I thought it was going to have to do, it was going to be something to do with um, Buckfast. I don't think I've ever heard of Buckfast. Uh, Buckfast tonic wine. I think it's more popular with the Irish than the English. It's a caffeinated, fortified wine. Uh, the drink. It's it's not a high class. <laughs> <laughs> the drink is named after London's Bucks Club, where it was invented as an excuse to begin drinking early. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, hey, it's got orange juice in it. That's clearly a breakfast that's, drink. Uh, that's UK written all over, isn't it? Binge drinking. <laughs> any any excuse for British people to drink at any time? We can't be like, no. If you drink in the morning, you're a savage. Well, what if you put orange juice with it? Mm, Classy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but eggnog. It doesn't sound like my cup of tea. I'd be, all, I'd probably give it a go. Well, it's not tea; it's eggnog. I thought we established. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I'm just stuck on the tea. <laughs> well, the funny thing is that we're neither really tea drinkers, are we? We're no, quite, I'm not a tea drinker. We're either. quite bad. Was I've had a lot of guests on the show who love making Tonya Todd. She loves a cup of tea. So many Heather Vickery. She does too. Cool. It's it's just women, Moxie. It's, it's that's it. It's clearly that's it. Just women in America. He's clearly assembling a harem. <laughs> <laughs> Well, joke's on you. I'm into that shit. <laughs> Score. Another one down. Um, you guys can drink eggnog. So, yeah, I, I don't know anyone who's, I think, even drank eggnog. Or, I don't know anyone in the UK that's Simpsons drank and everything else, don't we? That's, I remember that's the first time I remember it, because I think the first ever Simpsons episode is the Christmas one, and Homer goes on about drinking eggnog. Yeah. It's when they bring um, the, Santa's the, little helper. Yeah, the dog back. Um, anyway, so questions more for yourselves. Um I mean, one thing I did want to ask is kind of is is with the uh, Christmas and things specifically with uh, kids being good and kids being bad, and it's we were always threatened. It's it's kind of a mix of things, and I'm sure you'll be able to enlighten us on how Santa Claus slash Saint Nicholas who he is because I know he's from Saint Nicholas, but I'm sure you know a lot more about him than I do, Moxie. But did. Do you guys, if your kids are bad, do you threaten them with... We used to get threatened with coal, and, and then I used yeah, to just get told when we were younger we only used to get tangerines or oranges. Yeah, we would get oranges and coal in our stockings if, you're if bad. we were bad. Yeah. But I don't know anyone who's ever had that. I think it was just threatened <laughs> to kids in, like, the 70s. But, I mean, if it was in the 1920s, that wouldn't be a bad gift, would it? No. <laughs> do you guys have that, like, a bad... A th- I mean, generally, when our kids are bad, we just whoop their asses. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, that's how we handle it. Uh, no, the the coal, the threat of coal is absolutely a thing. The threat of citrus fruit, not as much. <laughs> and that actually, that really surprised me on there because there was there was a period of time where that would have been a, a splendid treat to have in one stocking. Uh, to have some citrus fruit because it was still coming from from very far away. You might get one, you know, mm. and rather than just eat it whole, uh, people would actually juice it and then stretch that juice out with sugar water, kind of making uh, an orange aid so that they can, could enjoy their Christmas orange that much longer. So, uh, no, we don't threaten our children with groceries. We just threaten them with hydrocarbons. <laughs> and, you can, and you can buy candy, of course, that looks like coal. Um, and half the time it's black licorice, which is at least as bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's licorice awful. is one of those things where, obviously, in America, you guys call it candy. And over here, we call it sweets because we're original and we describe things by how they are. That's why a drink is called bitter, which is also terrible. Um, but with sweets um, slash candy, the thing is, is that licorice, if anyone says licorice is a candy or a sweet, they're a liar because licorice isn't sweet. And therefore, yeah, licorice is it's gross. also, it, I mean, I don't no. mind aniseed, but I hate licorice. You think it's bad? Look around, look at Google Finnish candy. They have an affinity not only for black licorice, but they like it salty. Oh, uh. I tell you what, that's not just a Finnish thing. I went to Iceland and they had the exact same thing. It must be a Nordic I, I, it's, thing. Yeah, it's Nordic because um, I wonder if like licorice or aniseed or something that maybe because licorice is a root of something. Maybe sort. it just it just grows there and nothing else does. Oh, yeah, because it says here in Finland, um, Finland has basically the most prominent, some of the most prominent licorice factories, I think it says. So it is It is weird that in Nordic countries, because when I went to Iceland a couple of years ago, I remember, you know, you go in the shop and you want to try all these crazy chocolates and things, and so many of them had licorice in. It was baffling. They, they'd mix like, they had like a whole little mini section of just licorice-infused chocolates and sweets. No, it's just ruining chocolate and, and <laughs> other and other goods. Um, what was I going to... Crap, I had a bonus... Oh, yeah. Uh, bonus fact. In Iceland, there are dating apps specifically to warn you if you're about to date someone you're related to. What? Because the population because the population of the country is so small. That's they crazy. actually need an app to warn them you're actually second cousins with this person. Because <laughs> yeah, there's there's about there's Just more shit. Yeah, there's like a quarter million people or half a million people in the whole country. Yeah, yeah. It's literally in the in the city that we live in, uh, Southampton, um, it, we have 230-odd thousand people living here. And I remember seeing some sort of plaque thing in Iceland, as you're right. I think it's around 250,000 people in all of Iceland. And so Iceland is way bigger than England. But if you think that a medium-sized city in England has basically the same population as the whole of Iceland. It's that just, is crazy. <laughs> it is mental. Yeah. Well, wow, every day's a school day, what, guys? Wait, if you listen to Moxie's school. podcast, you're great on facts. <laughs> it's kind of my thing. All right, okay. My next question, and this is something I just learned the existence of in the past week. You guys put a flag on the Christmas tree? I, I didn't I've know. never put a flag on a Christmas tree. No. Okay, maybe it's maybe it's a generational thing then, because I... It might be northern. I think... Not not to be rude to our northern fellows, but there's a, quite a few random uh, English traditions where they've continued up north, but not down south. And obviously, we live in Southampton, so it's fairly quite south. Um, I should hope so, yeah. by the name. Well, to be fair, Northampton's only in the Midlands, so, you know, it makes no sense. <laughs> there's no Wolves in Wolverhampton either, which is upsetting. Um, but, yeah. I, there's English... Uh, sorry, Megan's just... Um, 
she's on the phone. Uh, I'm, she, o- I'm on, on the, the phone. phone. No, I should have just said just <laughs> Google searching a flag on the Christmas tree and it's just coming up with loads of Union Jacks. I don't think I've even yeah. seen anyone even put okay. anything Union Jack in I, yeah, I've never on seen a Christmas tree. Union I think Jack. Okay, see, I've, I only saw the one reference to it. I think it was on QI. Uh, um, <laughs> and I... When, when you're talking about what's you know what's north and what's south, I'm like, yeah, the, the northern the, the the north northern identity in England does seem to be quite defensive. Yes, because uh, uh, I like um, uh, Phil Jupitus was saying he's going to move to Scotland just so he can call uh, Lancashire the south. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say though as well, QI is one of the greatest TV shows ever, and I thank it's you amazing for watching it. I just it's it's the best, and I was worried I wouldn't like it when Stephen Fry left and then I absolutely fell in love with, with Sandy. She is great. And she and I forget this woman's name every time I learn it, but she is a Glaswegian comedian and she's actually shorter than oh. uh, Susan Coleman. And she's actually shorter than Sandy and they have such fantastic uh, friendship based on ridiculing one another. <laughs> and that's the kind of friendship I like. Those are the kind of friendships that I tend to be in. And in fact, if I'm making fun of you, that means I like you. If I didn't like you, I wouldn't be talking to you. No, exactly. no that's the best kind of friendship. Yeah, we're, we're the same. We always rip on each other. And um, yeah, I think also with with the flag thing, I mean, at the top of our tree at the moment is a Mario star. So from Super Mario, because <laughs> uh, we're massive nerds. But mainly we have Oh, I can, out, I can out-nerd you. Uh, can you? Uh, I have a an uh, a Futurama-style Xmas tree. Oh, we actually have an cool. artificial palm tree with lights on it. That is incredible. Yeah, we had a hypnotoad wedding cake. Yeah, I, I remember you saying because Futurama is, is one of the reasons why I end up getting us watching. more. Speaking of Futurama, I used it in my PowerPoint the other day at, at school. Nice, because I was teaching the future tense. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, um, British wit. But regarding the flag, so I've, I've googled it. So it it started in the 1800s. So it was to do with glass ornaments being imported into Britain from Germany, becoming a status symbol to have glass ornaments on your tree. And then the more that you oh. had, the better that you had your status. And then because the British Empire was growing and the most popular tree topper was the Union Jack, which is obviously the nation's flag. Sometimes there were flags of the empire and flags of the allied countries and trees ended up becoming very patriotic. Well, down south, we're not very uh, patriotic. I guess it's less of a thing now because, like, I don't know. I think it's just with the south of England, if, if for any uh, people who aren't don't live in England, it's I've described it many times on the podcast as it's the, the general stereotype of the south of America, of as in the south of the United States, you know, the, the southerners, the stereotype of them being less educated and more backwards uh, socially, and the more northern parts of America, you know, being more progressive and whatnot. In England, it's, it's basically the same either. stereotype that it, swept, swapped. It's reversed, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, because the, the south was more agrarian and the city centres... We had more large city centers in the north. I am in Virginia, which was the capital of the Confederacy. We're not super proud of that, but we're working on it. Um, so I am technically in the south, but I am right in the middle of the eastern seaboard. So, okay. If you hear anything weird while we're recording, I have a cat who has decided that the top of the recording booth is the ideal place to spend her afternoons. And she's moving around, and I'm hoping the mic's not getting it. But, uh, but yeah, so in term culturally kind of, 
it's a reverse uh, England to the U.S. North versus South. The one of my favorite moments on on the Great British Bake Off was um, they were setting up the Jaffa Cake technical challenge, and Paul Hollywood uh, dunks his Jaffa cake, and Mary Berry's face just falls. And she she gathers, all this happens in a split second, but her face falls and she gathers herself again and just says, we don't do that in the South. <laughs> She's correct. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I don't like Jaffa cakes anyway, but she wrong. is correct. Okay, now hold up. Back to back to truck up. What? She doesn't like chocolate orange. I don't like chocolate orange. Which is wrong. And also, they're not a cake, they're a biscuit. No, they're a cake. They're a Jaffa cake. No, it's absolutely a cake. They they went to court over that. Oh, yeah, they they did. It's a cake. I'm wrong. You are wrong. Anyway, they're gross. (laughs) (laughs) Apart from the way that it's leavened, when it goes stale, it gets hard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and don't get me started with the way the the British English treats the words biscuit and pudding. It causes much confusion. Uh, I was so Um, confused when I came to America. And so I stayed with my friend, uh, Mary, who is from North Carolina, and they offered me biscuits and I was like yeah sure and there then, should have been a pamphlet and then I had these like things that look like scones <laughs> they're very they're like they're like scones uh, less dry um, and they should be served with a sausage gravy otherwise there's really no point yeah here's unless, the you're other having, thing. unless you're having fried chicken then it's good yeah because then gravy um, for you guys is a different thing as well isn't it because what color is your gravy Brown. It depends on what you made it out of. Yeah, because here, gravy... Because you, you can have beef beef gravy, turkey gravy, sausage gravy. I've seen a type of gravy. Is and it- in fact, Italian-Americans call uh, red sauce, they call, um, you know, red pasta sauce, what you guys call bolognese. They call that gravy in, in like, New Jersey. And so that, weird. That's just fucking weird. That is crazy. Are you talking- <laughs> Sorry, Jersey. It yeah. is. Yeah, there's... Oh, so that's the sausage gravy that you're talking about. So, yeah, I've it's Googled like it. It's color. like this weird beigey color. <laughs> Well, it's a, it's a milk-based gravy, so uh, you just you know you, you brown up some crumbled sausage. Make sure you got you know uh, some black pepper and some red pepper flake. Uh, remove the sausage. Add uh, depending on how much grease you have left in the pan. Um, add an equivalent amount of flour. Give it a good whisk. Let it cook off for a minute, and then add in some milk and let it thicken. Put the sausage back in. Pour it over those biscuits and you're good to go. It's like scones and soup, isn't it? The, the biscuit thing still throws me off. I mean, I remember when I was, I think it was an episode of Family Guy or something, and they were like, oh, yeah, let's go to KFC and get biscuits. And I was like, wait, what the hell? What? I was like, biscuits at KFC? What is that? Because obviously we are biscuits. You, our biscuits are your cookies, no? But we have cookies over here. Yes, yeah, but sometimes you use biscuit to refer to cracker, what we would call a cracker, like a water biscuit. And uh, a friend of mine from, um, he was originally from Gravesend, Kent, he said, basically, if it shatters in your mouth and cuts up your gums, it's a biscuit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We, yeah, we do well, have yeah. crackers as well. But it's basically crackers are basically just salted biscuits that generally go with cheese. Yeah. Whereas a biscuit is generally sweet and often has chocolate or butter, a lot of butter in it. Yeah. But yeah, biscuits are great. Okay, so then, so is, but is the word cookie then used in, in common parlance for Yes, cookies, we've got cookies are different to biscuits. Well, no, but cookies are a type of biscuit, so we've got yeah. two variations. Yeah. So there's, there's, we've got there's a brand called Maryland that do the most popular uh, uh, biscuit Cookie. cookies here. It's basically just a circle of your cookie, but it's chocolate chip. So it's a chocolate chip cookie, and that's the same over here. Our cookies are a chocolate chip cookie. But the thing is, is that when we have say a cookie without chocolate chips in it, that's just a biscuit. That's not a chocolate chip cookie. So. It's, it's it's a weird, very slight difference, but also cookies. If you if you get bigger 
you never get a giant biscuit, but you can get giant cookies. So, like, a biscuit is normally... This is so stupid. Is I realise so how ridiculous, ridiculous our bloody country is. Um, like a, Every, everything sounds bad when you explain it out loud. Yes. Uh, so, a biscuit, if you think... You can almost... If you make, like, a circle with your thumb and uh, forefinger, you just... That's the size of a biscuit. But a cookie can be anything bigger than that. So, you can get cookies, you know, the size of your head. You don't get a biscuit the size of your head. That's madness. If a, if a biscuit becomes the size of your head, it becomes a cookie. I mean, that, okay. no, there are so many rules. I can't even keep up I mean, with this. This is I mean, awful. That is okay, so you've got you've got crackers and biscuits and cookies. And cookies. Yeah. Well, this is going to lead us into the other confusing nomenclature. And first, I want to lay out for you everything that I know, and then you can can put everything in the correct place regarding the word pudding. Now, most American <laughs> children will learn at some point that. Oh, uh, in England, pudding means dessert, whereas pudding here means custard. Typically, you know, comes in a little plastic container in your school lunch, nice. you know, or, or you made it from a box mix, you know, pudding. The word custard does get used in the U.S. sometimes, but typically we're talking about pudding. But then I thought, and so we grow up thinking, okay, in England, pudding means dessert. And then we start to wa- start watching British shows and like, oh, okay. So now pudding is a steamed thing made of beef fat with vegetables on the inside? Yeah, what the fuck is this that's even? delicious. That's what it is. Suet and so pudding, pudding is and delicious. So pudding can, incl- can be your dessert or it can extend to include haggis if you're, you know, a Robbie Burns fan. Can you please, just as you laid out cracker, biscuit and cookie for me... <laughs> How the hell is the word pudding used? I honestly don't really understand why we have so many uses of the word pudding. Because Mike, we were watching the Great British Bake Off recently and Mike didn't realise that suet pudding was a... He didn't realise that that pastry was classed as a pudding. I still don't really know what it is. It, I don't really get... <laughs> I'm uncultured. This is why Megan's with me. You can tell by half the stuff. I just kind of ramble about nonsense. She yeah, knows but I, I, don't, I don't really know why we have the term pudding as in a dessert... And then also have it for like steak and kidney pudding, which is like kind of like a pie, really. Yeah, and then and then Yorkshire pudding, which oh, um, yeah. we we do have here to a lesser extent, but they're called popovers. Popovers. What because they popovers? At least at least in the part of the country I grew up in, they were called popovers. Is that because the batter pops over the cating you put it in when they're done? I'm assuming so. It was so cute. I never asked any questions. <laughs> I mean, Yorkshire puddings I'm very familiar with. We had them the other day, actually. We as had well. them. Yesterday. I have always questioned why. I, I just thought Yorkshire puddings were called puddings because they're made out of like a pastry. It's, I guess sort it's of because they're made out batter. of a batter. Yeah, and batter. Yeah, but then batter and their batter doesn't... is made but into so cake. are pancakes. <laughs> yeah. We don't have the answer to this, I'm afraid. No, we don't. Okay. And also, your pudding is is a chocolate mousse. Because yeah. whenever I think of pudding in America, uh-uh. I think of like pudding cups, and I've seen them in like high school films. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that kind of thing. It's not moussey though. It 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 does. It's not fluffy or aerated, isn't it? it so it's like so is it more no, it's, it's like just yeah, just like straight custard. But you can get chocolate flavor. Yeah, you should get chocolate. I don't know why you would bother with anything else <laughs> except the butterscotch. The butter, the butterscotch, oh, I love butterscotch snack pack. Now that's that's a blast from the past, right there. I mean, we with pudding. I mean, yeah. Normally we do say dessert. I, if normally pudding, the term pudding is almost like a infantile way of saying dessert. Like hey, kids now. say, kids say, you know, do you want some? Yeah, I want some pudding. But kids don't say they want dessert. You, no, you a, always say that you have pudding after you've had like a pub meal. No, you can, yeah, pudding is at a pub. Pud- you say, yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> 
why are there so many rules? And why do we both know them exactly the same? Even though, oh, it... It's like those language rules, the, the things that make up your language that you're never taught, but if somebody said it differently, you'd be like, well, that's that, that's not how that works. We, we love that because Megan's a languages teacher. So there's, we oh, always, there you go. So you know. Well, yeah. My favorite one as an example, and everyone listening to this can, in theory, speak English, and it is you get rough, you put a TH in front o- of it, and it's through, and you put a T-H-O in front of it, and it's thorough. So you've got thorough Oh, no, our, this language is absolutely mental. It's oh, it really It is, is <laughs> only exceptions and no rules, and I have huge respect for anyone with even a passing fluency in the English language because it's absolutely mad. Oh, yeah. 100%. The amount, the amount of times that... So I teach French and Spanish, and the amount of times that students are like... Why do we have to learn this when everyone speaks English? Blah, 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 blah. And then they're like, why do we have to learn this? Why is Spanish so hard? Why are there so many rules? It's really confusing. I'm like, guys, English is so much harder to learn. English is so much worse. <laughs> we've just like made up our language and stolen it well, from Latin other people. French and <laughs> German. Have... I mean, we've got all the Latin languages. Oh, yeah. No, I did. I got a whole thing about that in, in the Your Brain on Facts book. It's, it's called Surprise Polyglot. And yeah, the, the English doesn't borrow from other languages. It knocks them out in dark alleys and goes through their pockets. <laughs> Just rummaging through those random little words that no one uses. Hey, let's have center RE. Why is that? No one knows. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, then we can get into the language simplification movement uh, in the US, which is when we stopped spelling words like color and neighbor with a U that had no business being there in the first place. Yeah, but then also we've got like... One thing I always find funny is your guys' use of H's as well, which is whenever people say, no one in America says herb, they say herb. Oh, yeah. So why don't, if you're so, you know, if you guys are so strong arming and removing the U, won't you remove the H as well? Just say herb anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, my my father's name was Herbert, so I'm on both sides of this issue. <laughs> Sorry. Because you see, you see, he was a herb. We need the H sometimes. Oh, wow. Yeah, he there wasn't a piece of basil. The exception. Oh, yeah. Basil, basil. Oh, yeah. Basil. That's another yeah, thing. That's as well. another thing. Oregano. Yeah. But you do say zucchini. That one's the same. You see zucchini, which is the Italian it's word the for Italian courgette. It's the Italian word for courgette. Because obviously, yeah. I assume when uh, a lot of the Italians went over to America, um, when you guys sort of. What's the term? I say colonize, I guess. Migrated. Is probably the term. Yeah, migrated, colonized. And yeah, when there was uh, a large influx of uh, Italians in the. Uh, late 19th century. That could have been when the word uh, zucchini took root here. It is definitely when the hero worship of Christopher Columbus set in because um, there, there's a great book that I, huh, I say it's great, but I haven't read it yet. But everybody else says it's great. <laughs> uh, when the Irish became white. And it's about when the wave of Italian and particularly Sicilian immigrants started hitting the city centers in America. And then the the, you know, the resident um, English descended people who had been looking down on the Irish now had people they considered to be colored hmm. to look down on. And so the Irish kind of got bumped up. They got promoted because now now we're all looking down on the Italians and the Sicilians. So the Italians were like, oh, but Columbus discovered America, one of us. And that's how we ended up with this hero worship that we're just now starting to undo. See, I had assumed that the word had been zucchini and the British used the French word to avoid using the language of your enemy from the Great Wars. Hmm. It could be, but then again, we do... It's just so weird, though, because Italian and French both derive from Latin, so it's surprising that they don't have a similar word anyway. Well, is courgette some sort of derivative near a cucumber? Like, what's cucumber in French? Cucumber. 
So I wonder if I, I, maybe if courgette and cucumber because they're the same sort of genus of plant. I think. Or, I have, or, no, they're completely no, they're completely they? completely yeah, they're different. different. Really? Yeah, it's a, a zucchini is a squash. Yes. Yeah, oh, you have told it's me it's a summer before. squash. Yeah. That's mental. And a cucumber is a berry. It's a berry. Everything, everything is technically a, a berry. A watermelon's a berry. It's it's crazy. It's strawberries are not on the uh, though. I strawberries actually, are not. Berries. Yeah, I did yeah, make seeds that on one. the inside make it a berry. So strawberry is the exception. Well, seeds on the inside make it a fruit, and then there's some other characteristics. Uh, green peppers are berries. It's um, and bananas are herbs. So it's ridiculous. But we don't even need to get that. <laughs> what is a marrow? A marrow. That's a type of squash. Yes. Okay. So is it like the soft soft kind, like a zucchini, or is it a hard? rind like uh, a pumpkin i i believe a marrow is what a courgette grows into if it gets bigger it's like a giant courgette it's basically like a giant oh, courgette giant i think zucchini. that's what it becomes they're normally that's striped hog feed well. at that point <laughs> they're normally striped from my knowledge as well they're, they're white and green striped yeah because i so, had a marrow in the summer because my friend grew it yeah, it's kind of like a, it's like a, it kind of looks like if someone got a watermelon and stretched it into the shape of a giant cucumber that's it's the immature fruit like. of the same or similar is called yeah so it, it comes from the courgette and zucchini family yeah so it, it's just a giant okay. a giant zucchini yeah because that, that word that word is entirely unknown at least as relates to vegetables the only marrow you would know would be bone marrow yeah, yeah ah, that's interesting yeah yeah it's pretty and in fact that even the description of it, that vegetable does not sound familiar. Because when, when a zucchini grows to a certain point, it, it'll be all seedy and woody and you just throw it to the chickens. There's no point in eating it anymore. Yeah, I think that's when it becomes a marrow. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have uh, parsnips? Oh, yes. Now, they're not as well known as they should be, but more and more people are, as the foodie culture has been such a thing for the past 10 or 20 years, more people are discovering parsnips. I love the shit out of it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love parsnips. They're, they're so good. They're, they're a Christmas food for us. And the reason I asked yeah. about it is because, again, in Italy, they, they don't have parsnips. Oh, shame. I know. They're, they're losing out. I think my dad used to sometimes take some back in the, like in his luggage with him. Um. <laughs> But yeah, if, sticking, if we keep on the, the sort of Christmas uh, theme, just because of what you just said there. So for Christmas, uh, I, I was interested that in America, do you guys have any uh, non-religious pre-Christmas traditions? So, for example, I think over here we don't really have any, except I know some people uh, on Christmas Eve will open one gift. And normally, that's a very European thing. And normally it's also bef- on Christmas Eve, people get really, really drunk. But I think that's just a seasonal that's just any excuse to get to get drunk things so i want to ask like on before sort of pre-christmas and then i want to ask about food as well do you do you guys have any sort of weird rituals i guess you'd call it i don't know that there's anything that is so widespread as to be viewed as the american christmas eve tradition Mm -hmm. it varies so much uh regionally culturally and uh from household to household like in my house growing up i was one of uh six daughters and we would do secret santa amongst the sisters and you'd you'd have like five dollars because we're we're small children you'd have five dollars to buy your secret santa gift and that was the gift that you got to open on christmas eve to kind of try to tide us over Mm. until until the next morning um but we are on my mother's side uh She's her family's from Czechoslovakia, and they have a Christmas Eve feast called the Valea, which has to have an odd number of courses, no meat, and you start eating at uh, when the first star is visible in the night sky, and you always leave a seat empty for the Christ child. He has stood us up 
every year, but we leave the chair open. <laughs> it's like it's like at Passover Seder, leaving the chair for Elijah. Um, you know, so that's how my family does. But now I would suspect that even between my household and my sisters, now that we're all grown and half of us, uh, half of them have children, you know, it's going to be a completely different scene on Christmas Eve than it was for us growing up. Yeah, I think that's the same here, to be honest. Do you have anything crazy in Italy, though? The thing with Italy is that I don't really remember Christmases out there because I was so young. I know I've never really experienced it. I know you've mentioned before, but there's the Day of the Kings, but that's nothing to do with Christmas, is it? The Day of the Three Kings is Epiphany, is the 6th of January. Yeah, it's Epiphany. That's when a lot of people in in Spain, Italy and France get their Christmas presents because they believe that the Three Kings bring presents to to them because they brought the presents to Jesus. Hmm. That's what I knew some vagueness. But that's not a thing for us because we're not a Catholic country. No, no, we're not. We're just this weird... And we can't be asked to wait. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I want want presents on Christmas. (laughs) So, speaking of waiting... When, generally speaking, do people do their decorations? So this year, people did it earlier because 2020 sucked. Because we needed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say generally, most people, the first or second weekend in December, that people put their trees up. It depends when the first of December falls. Like if the first of December falls on a Monday, it's always the weekend before that. Yeah, it's normally the weekend. So it can be 28th, 29th of November. If the first is like midway through the week, like a Wednesday... It's normally, I'd probably say more, like Megan said, kind of a week or maybe a week or so before Christmas, but it's never, I can't say I've seen anyone with like mid November or anything. I know someone that put their tree up this year before Halloween. That's sickening. (laughs) You shouldn't be allowed to do that. I'd say after (laughs) Thanksgiving in America is when people can put their tree up. I mean, we we put our tree up this year on the 29th of November. But that was like a Saturday, wasn't it? It was a Sunday. And we were planning on putting it up on the 1st of December, but because it was midweek, we just decided to put it up slightly earlier. It's normally the month of December and then you've got a certain amount of days after, I think. It's the 12 days of Christmas. And see, we always took ours down on January sixth because yes, that was the last day, yeah, the, the, the twelfth day of Christmas. Yeah. Yes, that's when we was, that's when we took ours down. I, I suspect my mom will leave uh, hers up rather later this year. It being so such a difficult year, all, all told. Um, in there's a lot of people in the U.S. will put theirs up after they've cleared the table from Thanksgiving. Like it's, we go, some people go immediately into Christmas, Christ. and normally it bothers me. But this year, whatever you need to do to get through this year, it's fine by me. It's A-OK. I am sticking to my family's tradition, which is um, putting the tree up very late because my father had grown up uh, incredibly poor, like no carpeting on the floor, like so far on the wrong side of the tracks, they couldn't hear the train, like really, really poor. And so they would go to sleep in in. The Christmas Eve, the living room looks normal. They wake up and there's a tree with decorations and presents. Uh, so the tree was part of Christmas morning for them. So the earliest my dad would ever let us do it, I think one year, the 20th was the earliest we oh, could talk wow. him into it. Because he had to assemble the artificial tree. So <laughs> it all kind of hinged on his willingness to do it. <laughs> yeah, with us, it, it kind of depends because I don't think there's like a specific hard and fast rule, but usually it's... It, normally the first two weeks in December is I when think, the majority do but also people do put their presents under there so it kind of once people start gift giving more so when you're a child like when I was younger my parents would be really on the Christmas tree because then when you start getting Christmas gifts from people you know your gifts go under the tree and you can stare at them and oh my god I'm so excited and then you know when I became a teenager and kind of 
became angsty and apathetic towards happiness. It it just meant I wasn't as excited about Christmas and therefore they didn't bother to put the trip quotes early. Yeah, I also think it depends, like you said earlier, Moxie, about the different households. Mm-hmm. I think it's respective and different traditions within different people's households. Like, I know that my friend, her family always put the Christmas tree up on the 16th of December. And so, like, it's just that's what they do in their house. I mean, in my house, there's never been a specific... We've never had a specific day. day it's either. just kind of when we can be bothered to <laughs> put the tree up. <laughs> That's what I'm like. This year, I was like, I can't be asked. And Megan was like, I'd like to do this day. I was like, okay, I'll do it whenever you want. Just, they're, they're all equally good. It's whenever you feel like it. Yeah. yeah. Go go on to your next, uh, dude, I love how we have this list and we've looked at it once. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I am I am ready to answer what I consider to be the, the big cultural question uh, from your list. See if you can guess which one I think is... Is it the one that you highlighted? Is it the one that you've highlighted? <laughs> is it the Hallmark Movies Chast channel? <laughs> I might have moved my cursor. <laughs> that was... Cheaters. I, we should have not said anything. We just my, said really clever. My mum goes absolutely nuts for Hallmark movies. I didn't even know she what They She will watch them like year round. She goes absolutely crazy for watching American, People like cheesy it. American Christmas Elaine movies. Elaine and Beth from work. When, as soon as it gets to like De- December 1st, once Netflix unleashes the tidal wave of crap Christmas movies, Hallmark Christmas movies and really old school ones, people just want to go yeah. for them. There's like ones with like actors that you like knew from when They're they were younger. all the same. Yeah. They're all the fuck. <laughs> Same. They're all the same. And I, I, nothing against your mother. I don't know her. I'm sure she's a wonderful woman. You seem lovely. I'm sure she's great too. Hallmark movie, Hallmark Christmas movies are for basic bitches. <laughs> Just generally speaking, they are for the Prosecco brunch set. They are for the hashtag Starbucks crew. The people that get um, the uh, the spiced pumpkin lattes. At, pumpkin yeah. spice. Now, admittedly, I do like them. that is some good stuff, but you're basically just drinking pumpkin pie custard at that point. It doesn't, you know, there may or may not even be coffee in it. I can't confirm, but it's really pretty good. You got Everybody's got to have it once. Okay. But, um, the, the thing with the Hallmark Channel, and it, it, it was started by the Hallmark Greeting Card Company, which is probably why everything is so schmaltzy. Just so, uh, for those who don't speak Yiddish, schmaltz refers to chicken fat, and the word schmaltzy refers to something that is overly rich, also can apply to things that are sickly sweet or just completely overdone. Mm. And that would be Hallmark Christmas Movies. In 2018, I did look up a few facts. I prepared a little bit. Between the two Hallmark networks, who knew there were two of them? (laughs) They they shot 37 movies. Is that just specifically Christmas? In 2018, they shot 37 of these damn things. I couldn't even name. Are they are they just Christmas movies? They're all the same. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's apparently real easy to do because they're all the same. Well, yeah, like, and I mean, the ones that I've watched is like, oh, no, girl's lonely. She needs to go to a she party. Works too hard. She works too hard. She doesn't have a boyfriend, but she needs to show her parents and family that she has a boyfriend. So she goes yeah, on. Yeah, it's everything that's a random awful guy. about. <laughs> it's everything that's awful about rom-coms, minus the com, with bad sweaters. And, just everything and rom-coms are just the most worthless movie genre. And, you know that there is that without redemption and generally get you to root for bad people doing bad things that would get you arrested if you did them in real life. But these movies, they're so non-threatening in their formulaic nature. 
it's like going to a franchise burger place. You you pretty much know what you're going to experience, and that's what you sought out, and you're going to get it. And you're like, ah, this is the thing I wanted. This is the familiar thing. They even will cast the same actors and actresses in several of these things. And yeah, it often is people whose best days are perhaps behind them. I uh, distinctly like- remember watching one that had... Um- Sabrina the Teenage Witch in it. Oh, me- not Melissa. Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah, and Melissa. then there was another one that had AC Slater in it from uh, Saved by the Bell. Are you well, are, now? Are you are you aware? Are you aware? Speaking of of um, Mario Lopez in go. movies. Hold on, I got to get this up because you guys have been googling, and now it is my turn to Google because <laughs> there is a thing happening that I cannot explain. The Lifetime Channel, Lifetime Television for Women which is basically like made-for-TV movies about women survived terrible abusive relationship. And also here's some true crime of women killing their husbands. That's Christ. the Lifetime channel. Wow, what a, what a delight. <laughs> <laughs> Please, the, the entire podcast sphere owes its existence to the women, <laughs> to women listening to true crime. Yeah, there's a huge chunk <laughs> okay. of podcasting. A KFC Lifetime movie... With Mario Lopez starring as a sexy Colonel Sanders called A Recipe for Seduction. Right, Mike, download it right now. <laughs> I, no, I actually saw the, the poster for this. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I saw it on Twitter. I used to love AC And, and you saw it and you're like, oh, come on, someone's taking the piss with Photoshop. That is exactly what it was, what it was called, A Recipe for Seduction. Recipe for Seduction. seduction. Okay, yeah, I saw that and I thought, that can't be real. Um I assumed it was going to be like just an online <laughs> video and like a 90 to 300 second long mini movie, just a long commercial, basically. And we're all going to have a good laugh. No, it's it's longer than that. And it aired on television. That and is crazy. Who's in it with him? You need more than that? You need, what? You need more than <laughs> Mario <laughs> Lopez as a sexy Colonel. Se- okay, sexy Colonel Sanders is a, a string of words that should not exist. I mean, you know, I my mother, my, my mom was in radio in the 60s and 70s, and she actually um, interviewed Harlan Sanders, I think, more than once. And she described him as both a uh, Southern gentleman and a dirty old man. So to think <laughs> of any to have anybody thinking of Harlan Sanders as sexy is really weird to me. That's so weird. Yeah. That's clearly when you've got to the point where you're like, I just need money, don't I? Mario Lopez, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, to be fair though, if I was, if someone said that to me, he said, "Hey, Mike, right, we've got a new movie coming out. What is it? It's <laughs> a KFC. It's a KFC seduction. movie. Is that what you mean? It's sponsored by KFC? No, no, no. You're you're playing Colonel Sanders. I'd be like, you know what? Give me free KFC for life. I'll be in on that. I'll be a sexy <laughs> Colonel Sanders. Why not? I don't sound. I could be like his British equivalent. His weird yeah, cousin, maybe. I don't know. You could be Mr. Wimpy. I think that's as close as you're going to get. Mr. Oh, Wimpy. Wimpy Burger. God, there's only about four Wimpy there's Burgers. There's hardly any Wimpy Burgers now. now. I know. That was a deep cut for your for your side of the audience. Yeah. But my brother gets very, very excited. My mum used Wimpy to Burgers. work at Wimpy Burger. Said Chris, my brother Chris. Yeah. He got, I think he swore at Custom once and had to wear the Wimpy suit for like a whole day. Dress wow. up as Mr. Wimpy. Mm. Fun times. Fun times in the family working at Wimpy. That's clear. You knew it was like divine, like uh, fate for us to be together, Megan, because your mum worked at Wimpy Burger and my brother did as well. Yeah. Clearly. That's the reason we're together. Hey, things don't make sense anymore. They have a Colonel Sanders. They have Mario Lopez as a Colonel Sanders. Things don't need to make sense anymore. Right. So 
I, I can't believe that there's that many <laughs> films that came out that are solely Christmas movies. I don't even know. Like, I can't even... Why are there two channels for it, though? Plus one? I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's <laughs> just so many of them. I don't know why it exists at all. If you were to just Google Hallmark Christmas movie, you would probably see a graphic that's been going around lately of all of the like cover art. I know there's no physical copies of these things anymore, but all of the, the poster art... And they're all identical. It, the The setting is identical. The people are completely interchangeable. Just, they're all white, uh, naturally. Just across the board, white Gentiles. Hallmark has been trying to make Hanukkah movies Hanukkah because there's movies. no inclusivity, diversity, or representation in these films, like, at all. And speaking as a member of the tribe, we would just assume they didn't bother. Because they're not doing a very good job. It, it, it's a bit like like a vegan meat substitute. <laughs> you know, don't make it try to be meat. Like vegan, let it be vegan. Let it be. Jerky. Let it make a make a lovely vegetable dish with these lovely vegetables. Don't try to force them into a hamburger patty. You know, <laughs> so that's kind of what they're doing with these Hanukkah movies. Is they're they're not being offensive necessarily. They're just you've got to be near Hollywood at some point. Find a Jew. That's where they all are. You know, the, the, well, that's where half of them are. The other half are in New York. But yeah, find a Jew and ask and ask them. And until then, please stop making Hanukkah movies. It's funny you should say that because I've actually met. I met when I was traveling around Europe. I met someone who was American, who was Jewish, and he was from LA. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's because entertainment was one of the the areas that uh, Jews were basically allowed. To work in all of the old medieval prohibitions against Jews owning property, owning businesses, uh, the different kinds of trade they can do. None of that was in force legally, but it all really stuck around culturally for centuries. And it's one of the reasons that so many Jews became songwriters and actually wrote the Christmas carols that we all, speaking about our side, that we all grew up singing. Because I know that, you know, we don't sing all the same Christmas carols. And today I found myself wondering, Away in the Manger has the exact same lyrics on both sides of the pond. Completely different melody. Really? Real, completely different melody. That's so And then today, today I was starting to, to research it, but I was a bit busy. And apparently it was written by Martin Luther. And I'm like, I really need to get back to this research because this looks like it's going to be interesting as hell. I assume, yeah, you, assume you don't mean Martin Luther King. I assume you mean Martin Luther, was he the, the Bible gentleman? The guy with the nails, yeah. Yeah. He translated the Bible. Into, yeah. yeah. He, he had he had some grievances and a hammer. <laughs> At least I'm thinking it, because it just said Martin Luther, but I'm like, crap, I got to get back to the other thing I'm doing. And I never got and I never got back to it. My day has fallen very far behind schedule. Um, so, yeah, because our... Your Away in a Manger is is kind of lilty. It sounds a little bit like uh, Come Ye Shepherds, which I only know that song because it was one of the eight Christmas carols that played on a nonstop loop at the Bush Gardens theme park when I was selling my wares <laughs> in the German Christmas market. I used to make goat milk soap and skincare products. Oh, cool. And so for five weeks every year, I got to listen to the same eight German Christmas carols <laughs> playing over and over oh, and Lord. over again. And uh, But our, our Away in the Manger... It's not somber, but it's definitely not. I think the melody's not as nice. Oh. And one thing I'm going to look into just as soon as I have a free moment: were these melodies meant to go together? Was this were they meant to harmonize? I don't know how they sound together. 
I really should have researched for out my mouth, but <laughs> no, that's so really why interesting. It's the same lyrics, but a completely different melody. I mean, it's interesting, completely different melody. How they would do that? Because I mean, the thing is, with Christmas carols and Christmas music, is my least favorite thing about all of Christmas is Christmas caroling and music. That's generally I. It, the worst thing, like we said about where how early do you put on like Christmas decorations and things like that. One of the big hot topics is how early can places play Christmas music. And my general rule is from December 1st, it's free game. Before that, you aggravate me. But certain um, big supermarkets or shops or department stores, like the range is a big one, they'll start playing it like six weeks before Christmas. And they've got the licensing for like 40 songs. So they'll just play the same 40 Christmas songs. Yeah. And I am lifelong retail. And I don't mean I'm like a retail manager. I mean, I am frontline cashier customer service retail and I'm 41 years old and that's as far as I'm going to get in life apparently. I was so relieved when I got a job at uh, an Aldi near my house because there are no speakers. Oh yeah, there are, there no, are speakers no speakers in Aldi. No. Oh, yeah. They cannot they cannot play music at me. I cannot be made <laughs> to listen to Christmas carols because we got to put the Christmas stuff out November 1st. But I am safe from Mariah Carey and that fucking song. So, so do, you, do you class the Mariah Carey song as a Christmas carol? Because I wouldn't class that as a Christmas carol. Well, I mean, it's a Christmas cash grab, but <laughs> it, it's, it definitely falls under the heading of, of Christmas music. And uh, I, don't, you know, I don't know if they still do it, but one of the radio stations here in Richmond would change its format on Thanksgiving Day to be just Christmas music Oof. until the day after Christmas. And that's Christ. what they did every year. It was it was the easy listening station anyway. Not a big loss. Um, but but yeah. So you would you'd hear like the modern stuff and the Michael Bublé and things <laughs> like that. And then you'd hear um, you know like a, a Judy Garland, "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas," and Gene Autry, "Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer." Those mid century mm. classics. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Yeah, because because there's there's really there's really not much. And now I'm trying to think is like there's the mid-century and then there's the now. Because for me, Christmas kind of carols in the middle. Christmas carols for me is like, but it's difficult because I don't know if you have these songs. It's like Hark the Herald Angels Sing and yeah. A Little Town of Bethlehem and Away in a Manger. I think a lot of the religious night. ones America will have. Yeah, no, but I mean, yeah, the, 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 Victor- the, the kind of Victorian religious yeah, ones. Yeah, that's what I associate as being a Christmas carol, whereas all of the others I associate with being Christmas songs. I feel songs. like if there's more than one person singing at one time, it's basically a carol. I think the only exception to that is probably, um, it could be Christmas every day. I wouldn't say that's a Christmas carol. But if you go caroling, you wouldn't sing All I Want for Christmas is You. Yeah, but that's because it's her singing. They that's might. what I'm saying. <laughs> but I, I think that a carol counts as probably before the turn of the century, and also it has to be at least two people singing it at once. Because that's kind of it's maybe because a carol is maybe a group, isn't it? So it's like you know when you hear a way in a major carol definition. That's literally what I'm doing. As you well. can both do it. And you see <laughs> a different- religious folk song or popular hymn, particularly one associated with Christmas. It doesn't list a minimum number of participants. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I think the traditional religious ones are Christmas carols. Yeah. Now to go caroling, you definitely need people because if you're doing that by yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody's yeah. going to call the cops. <laughs> You're going to end up on a list. I didn't. So it's so weird. Do, do people Christmas... I'm assuming people Christmas carol in America. Do they go around knocking on St- people's doors and sing? Statistically, it has to happen somewhere. I have never in my life seen it. So I... But, but, then, it, but then again, where I live in the house I've lived in for the last 20 years, um, 
we're set back behind us behind a neighborhood behind the woods right. and i i learned a few years ago i am the witch <laughs> that the neighborhood parents scare their children with which was the single greatest thing i ever heard and, and the woman's like i've got to bring my daughter over she's grown now and i'm like hell yes bring her over i want to talk to her this is great <laughs> cuz they like if the kid they're like if you guys don't shut up i'm going to take you in the woods and leave you with the witch and they'd shut up and i'm like this is so cool i'm the witch of the neighborhood that's great so uh, we in 20 years haven't even had a trick or treater which is oh, a right. For sure, thing that happens, and and I, I've heard from some British people that you don't like as much that that particular coca colonization, which is my favorite term, uh, has uh, has taken root over there. That's American culture spreading via capitalism, coca colonization. <laughs> nice. Um, so with with caroling, like I remember, I used to do it in primary when I was younger, when I was like seven or eight. But I experience christmas caroling i can't remember i can't remember if you were there mike or it might have been somebody else it might have been my was cousin the end of a house? yeah no i i do remember were that. you there yeah but i didn't want to come see no so caroling. we were so i lived i lived in andover which is a small town in no one in england knows where that is no, let alone american that's not true people know where andover is they'd be ridiculous no but, one has any idea. so it, i lived in a really small part of andover i lived in quite like a poncy fancy area because i was just renting this house off of this woman i lived in like a a little cottage um and it is the only time in my adult memory that someone has knocked on the door and sung christmas carols and i genuinely did not know what to do i was just stood there like oh this like, do is I give lovely you money, am or? i supposed to give you something like i don't know what you, you want me there. to do oh it's it's gotta be that same awkwardness of having happy birthday sung to you it's like great <laughs> i just get to stand here and smile until you're finished yeah. Well, yeah i think it's one of the things that you said before megan when we were in the early days of us dating and i said jokingly would you like me to um uh serenade you with a song and you're like there's nothing i'd like less like, yeah, that's literally like, nope, my worst absolutely nightmare. Absolutely not, because it's just the same as happy birthday, same as caroling. It's just let's just stand here and wait for this person to stop making mouth noises <laughs> as into their own pleasure. And I, I hate Christmas caroling. If people want to go Christmas caroling and want to, you know, stand in a square and sing Christmas music at Christmas time, be my guest because I can walk away. If you come to my door, I will not greet you with smiles. And well, I'm hoping nobody's doing it this year. No, well, I don't, no, no. I mean, yeah. trick or treating yeah, didn't happen this year either at all. Yeah, not 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 happening this year. I. I, it happens maybe sometimes if it's like a church group or mm. or a youth group, and they're also maybe gathering uh, donations for for something, maybe. But just people, hey, let's go caroling. Nah, <laughs> you know, it's just not not a thing, not a thing. Uh, but I think, and this is on our list too, that that old fashioned sing song kind of thing. Definitely more British is my impression. The likelihood of breaking out into a group song hmm. seems to be, especially for Christmas stuff, seems to be more of a, a British thing than an American thing. In, well, it's weird because we watch a lot of... Um, it seems it, like it's a an upper class thing. Well, yeah, because we've watched a lot of The Crown recently. Yeah, yeah we've been and watching we've been The Crown. like, oh, this is nothing how any of us actually... <laughs> they randomly are. start bursting into song playing the piano, which is something that we definitely class. don't Prin- do. Princess Margaret, when she's having... Like just before she has some sort of horrendous downer, she ends up getting drunk, smoking cigarettes, and playing I have, piano loads. Yeah, I have seen a lot of Christmas movies that are American where people have been sat around like a piano and they've started singing. But again, that kind of links to the people, fact that it's probably a Hallmark movie well, more also, than anything. People don't generally have pianos. They're no, no, expensive. I know. That's yeah, why I mean. That's why I mean. Anymore. It's an upper class thing, isn't it? Like yeah, over here yeah. with with English and breaking out into songs, I'd say it's really random. There's no there's no real pattern to it. I, I don't think I know anyone who 
sings with their family at Christmas nest like fully. Like occasionally if a song comes on, a little kid starts dancing to it or something, everyone may sing a little bit of it. But like someone picking I up think, an instrument. I think you're more likely to do it when you have small kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like- I think the family singing the Christmas carols, that's more of a childhood thing because when we would be in the car at Christmas time, we would we would absolutely all sing together. We would do the, the the twelve days of Christmas, and the the line five gold rings was reserved for for my father's baritone, <laughs> and, and he would he would just really ham it up doing the five gold rings, and then we the girls would all jump back in for the rest of it. <laughs> so maybe it's just kids and TV and movies that are making us think that it's a thing or just people that are musically talented as well yeah well people generally speaking if you're at a gathering and someone picks up an instrument unprovoked they're a douchebag generally speaking it's like generally. i've been to more so my youth but the amount of parties i've been to or hosted and someone brings a guitar and you're all you're like, like oh, oh it's the guy gets, with the guitar yeah and he gets like 11 he's o'clock. normally got dreadlocks <laughs> yeah 11 dreadlocks are at least lo- really really long hair and then it gets to like 11 o'clock um, p.m and then they start singing a song that no one wants to hear and it's like oh and that seems at Christmas. If someone pulled out an acoustic guitar and say, this was in Christmas crowds, I'd be like, I'm going elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, not a fan of that. I don't, I'm not sure with, regarding um, other Christmassy things, I was just going to say, are, are there, the day after Christmas, we call it Boxing Day. Do you guys call it Boxing Day? No, it's Returns Day. It's not actually called that, but that's just the day you don't want to be working customer service. Because everybody and their sainted brother has gathered up all the shit they didn't want and is trying to return it all at the same time. There really isn't any um, cultural pastiche to the the day after Christmas. It's just, it starts that week of nobody is going to accomplish anything between Christmas and New Year's. Which, for whatever reason in my life, I always have some major project or life change that I really need to work on, and I need other people to go back to the office, please. You know, you don't need to take these 10 days off. That's my personal problem. Ah, um, but we are basically, we've, we're nearing the end now. Uh, not that I specifically wanted it to end because I'm having a great old time talking to you about Christmas oh, yeah. and uh, whatnot. But um, so because you're Mike stuff, we vaguely wrap up. <laughs> Is there, are there any other sort of, because we can always do this again, like next year, not about just, not Christmassy. We can just do like stuff about um, Americanisms and whatnot because it's a lot of fun. Is there anything else uh, Christmas related that we haven't touched that you want to ask us before we head out? John Lewis ads. Actually, there's actually two things, <laughs> if I can. There's, there's two things I want to get into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, John Lewis ads. I just, we see, we made our lists and then intentionally did not look up these answers ourselves. Mm-hmm. What kind of a, a shop is John Lewis? John Lewis uh, is a department store. Okay. That's kind of, I got that vibe. Um, high high class department. Like, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of what I could compare it to. Macy's? But I think, is Macy's fancy? Uh, fancier than me, not fancy enough for some. Yeah, well, John Lewis yeah, is probably top, I, I, top end, apart from, like, Harrods, which is... Yeah, I would say John Lewis is kind of an equivalent to Macy's. Okay, so we've... It, it, almost as a way to compare it, in, in a sense of... Um, of equivalent of like supermarkets because Emma there's a place called Marks and Spencers which is pretty much always in John mm-hmm. Lewis's for some reason okay so Asda is basically Walmart that's all you've got like Aldi and Asda are sort of near the the bottom of the air quotes hierarchy of supermarkets and then you've got 
Tesco, and then Sainsbury's. And then above that, you've got M&S, which is the, that and Waitrose are the two top tier supermarkets where everything is really, everything's organic and free range and expensive and fancy and whatever. John Lewis is that of this. Yeah, I'd say apart from Harrods, which I think there's only about three of in England and they're like, they're the kind of places that you can only shop if you're like a Harrods is, is crazy they're, expensive. That's yeah, it's like, like a pair of shoes is yeah. like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds, if not thousands. So aside from that, John Lewis is like, I'd say dead middle class department store. Basically as high as you can go, but expensive enough so that everyone could probably just about afford to shop there. But unless you've got a lot of money, you wouldn't go there. Uh, and have you seen some of the adverts that we have? Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of disagree. I, d- I don't think John Lewis is, is super expensive. I think for some things it is. I think it's like a mid-range. It's it's more towards the top tier. Yeah, but no one shops there as a standard unless you've got a good amount of money. That's what... Like, no one no one who's on, like, a lower income ever goes to John Lewis. I bought my blender from You're John not Lewis. lower income, Megan. <laughs> Neither <laughs> of us are lower income, I'm afraid. We both were fairly well Anyway, <laughs> John Lewis always release a Christmas advert and people go nuts for them. <laughs> Megan thinks she's so poor. Well, yeah, and, and oh, those Megan. those will, will make their way across via uh, social media, which... Uh, apparently, the the real meaning of Christmas is crying because They're they seem so to sad. want to make people cry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're hella emotional. It's basically how I feel if I ever buy anyone a gift to John Lewis, just come out crying because so regardless of what Megan thinks, <laughs> so fancy pants over here. I'm not fancy pants. <laughs> thinking that you're not, you thinking that you're poor, <laughs> and they're like, no, whatever goes to John Lewis, Megan. No, they don't. No one we know goes to John Lewis unless they're over forty. Because yeah, no one can warrant spending that kind that, of money. To be fair, yeah, that is true. It yeah, is because it only forty-year-olds in England store. have disposable income, unless you're on a trust fund. <laughs> so, no, John Lewis is upper class guys, and that's how they can expect how they can afford to do such expensive, intricate adverts that don't. I like them, but they don't really mean anything. They're not. They're not even trying to get you to buy anything at John Lewis. It's just I don't even know what the John Lewis advert is this year. Well, normally it's probably going to be to do with coronavirus, isn't it? But I think a lot of the time in the John Lewis adverts, the things they use, like it was last year, like some sort of major silhouette thing. Am I thinking that right? Honestly, don't know. There's some sort of crazy The last silhouette. one I can remember was like the bear sleeping through Christmas. And so all the animals like did Christmas oh, for it, yeah. the bear later that was or the something. One, yeah, yeah, that was the one that had Lily Allen singing a song for it, wasn't it? <laughs> I think so. I, I know the advert. I don't know who that about. is, so I couldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> that British music, that's going to be a fun conversation at some point. Uh, what was the other uh, question you had about uh, stuff, if we've explained the John well, Lewis well, answer? Well, first I, I want to an- an- answer one of yours, and then we're going to circle back around to one of these broad explanation ones because uh, you have on your list are Christmas cards uh, popular oh, yes. as popular in America as they are in Britain. Now granted I don't know what benchmark I'm measuring them against but mm-hmm. uh, they are becoming less popular with each passing year just as everything in life is more electronic and not mm-hmm. paper based. Um, I haven't sent them in 15 years. I expect I will get like five this year maybe and two or three of them will be from well i got one from my vet you know and i felt so bad for all like like they made everybody in the office sign it i'm like oh my god how many cards did you poor girls have to sign and then one from my aunt who includes her little um index card sized summary of her year i'm like oh she's learning swedish that's nice (laughs) we don't even have enough to bother displaying we get so few of them anymore and i think just as all paper media falls out of fashion christmas cards are going with it Mm. at school i think that's the same here when i when we were at school um which was 10 years ago we finished we graduated school so it's probably about 15 years ago or so i remember most kids would 
write out 30 odd Christmas cards and everyone would give them to everyone. It was quite pointless. I think it was more of a primary school thing than a pri- secondary school yeah, thing. Yeah, so in America, that's... That sounds, like, that sounds like Valentine's Day. We do that in Valentine's <laughs> Day where you've got to bring Valentine's cards for the whole class. You uh, have to bring Valentine's I don't know why. I d- yeah, it, just in a, in when you're like seven. It's Before you understand what love even is. Well, you, no, I understand the concept, Mike. That's just so odd. <laughs> the whole point of Valentine's we, Day is, is giving a card to the person you fancy. It's supposed to be it? romantic like, love. It's I think it's just like a pointless busy work day so the teacher can get some desk work done because you <laughs> you will sometimes you sometimes make uh, like a little mailbox out of construction paper and then you go around everybody goes around to everybody else's desks and and puts the and they're not proper cards they they're like the size of your of a um credit card usually these these little things oh, that right, come okay. 50 to 50 to a pack sometimes they might have a lollipop stuck in them um but you just <laughs> you know go around they it'll have batman on it for christ's sake you know it's not really romantic um, but it's just this thing we do because it seems like we've always done it. I see. Yeah, we definitely don't do that. Yeah, we don't do that. The the thing I, I would like you to do another broad explanation of, like you did with the Christmas crackers, <laughs> something else that is completely foreign to the American experience. Please tell my listeners, what the hell is Panto? Pantomimes. Oh, I hate yes. pantomimes so I get much. to watch a pantomime oh, on Friday and I'm God. so excited. But how about... Right, you explain it in a couple sentences. Because if you, you say pantomime to an American, we're thinking you mean a mime. That's so like odd. you're 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 acting something out without words. That's what pantomime means here. But it's like a whole theatrical show. Yeah, right? yeah, you yeah, guys, yeah. you guys are lucky over there. So what we're going to do? Megan's going to explain what pantomime is, and then I'm going to explain what pantomime is. They're going to be slightly different things because I absolutely hate them, and I Megan really idea. likes them. I'm I'm in the middle. I I so I I loved pantomimes when I was younger. As I've grown older, I don't like them so much because they're more of a a thing terrible. for children to enjoy. Terrible, terrible. Basically, what pantomimes are is it's normally a like fairy tale kind of story so like jack and the beanstalk or like peter pan peter pan aladdin that kind of thing cinderella basically any disney movie yeah before like the 70s but it's turned into (laughs) essentially kind of like an interactive play and they get audience participation so the the main female protagonist that is like normally so there's always going to be the love story between the the female and the male huh compare it to hairspray what no well, that's how I, I... I don't want to compare it to Hairspray. Let me, I thought I was telling this story <laughs> and you're interrupting my explanation. <laughs> this, it, it sounds like a more complex narrative because as far as I knew, it also involves two guys in a horse costume. Yeah, sometimes. so... Sometimes, yeah. Because I, I keep hearing references to panto horses. Yeah, so so normally there's obviously the, the main story and then the uh, there's always going to be a, a man dressed as a woman characteristically in in a panto because that's funny um so it it's 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 just a bit of silliness it's for for children to get involved so they'll the villain will come out onto the stage and they'll be like oh no where's the villain and then the the whole audience will be like he's behind you and then he'll turn around and the villain will have disappeared and then he'll turn around and then we'll be like he's behind you Okay, now that's, that's <laughs> this does sound like it's for children. It it's, is very much for children. Oh, even when I was a ch- child, I hate it. So yeah, my basic version of it is essentially the same. It's a story you've heard a billion times. They rewrite it 
and always make it worse. The main person <laughs> is always a man dressed up as a woman, but clearly not trying to look like a woman. And then there's constant jokes throughout the whole thing about the fact that the woman looks like a man, which is apparently funny. Oh, and also, also and no, no, no. Oh, wait, they fall, someone always falls in love with them. Normally the bad guy. Normally he goes, oh my God, that woman, she's enchanting. What is her? And, and normally the people from the, from, from the pantomime are people that like used to be in soap operas. Yes. <laughs> They're people that used to be on television. Like there's one or two main people who are famous-ish and they normally, one guy is normally someone, yeah, who's in like a uh, old TV show and now he's playing the woman version. Like the fairy godmother is always a man. The fairy godmother is always, yeah, a, always man, a man. always yeah. a um, man. Yep, there's normally, all the sets are often quite more so they used to be terrible now they're just okay but they're not high production things it's a lot of audience participation as megan said but a lot of the time it's a, a th- uh the baddie it will yell out to the crowd oh i'm gonna get them and i'm gonna win and then someone will yell out and then, yeah they'll boo and sis and then and then hiss and then someone that a goodie on the stage would go oh no he wasn't and then the crowd will yell that with them and then the, the baddie will go oh yes i did oh no and it does that for like five <laughs> it does times. go on for it, quite a oh while oh my god and but it's then just... at the end they normally get kids to come up on stage and they do something fun so that the kids can win prizes but, and i have been one of those kids the, before that's why she likes it and i don't because i'm not i haven't been bribed <laughs> Mike was by neglected this. And didn't no go i've on been stage. on stage i just hated it um He's bitter. The panto horse, though, yeah, it's basically just. Oh, yeah, the panto horse. It's always the thing is the pantomime is. I guess it used to be funny before you know the last five decades of comedy. Existed, I think it has reduced but, quite considerably in the past few years. People realize it sucks. The thing is, is that it's basically. If, if people watch like, Monty, Monty Python, is almost a good reference point for people who like Monty Python. If you get every Monty Python joke that doesn't land. You put that in a stage performance with children participation, men dressed as women, and rewriting old stories to make them slightly worse. Generally, that's kind of what you've got. Also in the low budget. They've, that's why the pantomime horse They are normally in. fairly low budget. Because they're, they're always just... There's almost like three tiers of theatre. You've got like the proper high tier theatre, then you've got kind of mid-range. The low ones, that's where all pantomimes play, except the one or two travelling ones that are the big ones. But it is a specific Christmas thing. You don't get pantomimes at any other point in the year. Do you? Yes, unfortunately. Do you? Yeah, I see billboards at them all the time. They're not as common. There's normally I've like, never ever seen a pantomime. There's normally like one Christmas. or two that's normally a touring one with like Michael Ball or someone in it or Alfie. Michael Ball is not in a pantomime. I'm pretty sure he is. I'm pretty sure he was actually the fairy godmother literally last year. Oh, I, maybe. <laughs> that's why. I, I don't know. He anyway. literally debuted on the West End. Of course he's been in Panto. West End does not have the pantomime, Mike. The no, West End is like Broadway. Yeah, but that's where he starts and you fall down the ladder no. and you get to Panto. Michael she, Ball is still on the West End. Don't Michael listen to Ball. Mike. She he's loves he's lying Ball. to everyone. I don't know who that is, so it really doesn't affect me one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, pa- pantomimes, they, they, they are for kids, just to clarify, but a lot of kids will hate them because they're just cheesy, self-referencing, and the jokes are really lame, and they're normally not written really well. They're not written by, you know, your Andrew Lloyd Webbers of theatre, even though I have questions about him anyway, but you don't... <laughs> yeah, It's not, it's not <laughs> Mel Brooks. Exactly, so it, it's just... They're really, really, really cheesy. And yeah, they mainly come out of Christmas. And, you know, kids, schools almost always play them because they're really easy to put together because they're so well, cheesy. Well, normally, normally people do school trips to go to the Panto. Um, this year, obviously, it's slightly different because of COVID, but we're streaming one. So on Friday for year seven and eight, they are streaming a pantomime. And because I'm teaching year seven and eight, I have to show them it to them. So I'm very excited because I get to watch the Panto. Ugh. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. 
and she'll come home and tell you all about it in excruciating detail. And I'm going to do all detail. of the jokes. I'm basically going to reenact the entire pantomime just for Mike. Well, the thing is, is I I don't. I've been getting more into theatre since I've been dating you because you really love uh, you know musicals and stuff. And I'm I'm not a huge fan of musicals in general. I really re- I liked Wicked. I thought that was cool. I loved Book of Mormon. I like the funnier ones, you know, Avenue Q and that sort of jazz. But we we saw what was the Mamma Mia, the Abba one, that was right. But the thing is, is that I don't generally like musicals that much. And I find that a lot of the time the dialogue's rubbish, it's a bit cheesy, and it's just an excuse to have these fairly good songs in it. That's kind of what Pantomime is, except it doesn't really have any songs. So it's just... It's not got the plot or the production of a really big, good theatrical production. And it hasn't got any of the hooky songs it's, that you watch yeah, a musical it's, for. It's just a really cheesy play, essentially. Yeah. A really cheesy reenactment of a fairy tale story is what it would be. So it's yeah. like theatre for little kids. Basically, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the reason I mentioned Hairspray was because if anyone has seen either the live production or the film of Hairspray, with John Travolta in the film version being the mum in it it's, it's basically like that except they normally wear like a drag style makeup that's because that's kind of well yeah it is drag that's i think for the uk that's one one of the main forms of drag well i mean there's there's in, drag in and then there's drag because you know if you're going to go full divine who was the one who played uh the, the mom in hairspray originally and was the inspiration yeah. for ursula in the little mermaid divine has a distinct look that that sort of a scary drag queen, really. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. as opposed, or, and then you get like the Monty Python pepper pots, which is what the, the what it was called when they were dressed as women, where they weren't trying, but they also were definitely not doing the the drag aesthetic. So th- there's a lot of different ways you can approach a man in a dress. Yeah, and there's also lots so many different variants of of drag, isn't there? Oh yeah, yeah you and also it, it varies in different. We, countries you watch a lot of cultures. people's drag race, and obviously, yeah, that, that's where you've seen part of it. But I've seen who's that famous Paul O'Grady. Paul O'Grady to... is um, oh, I can never remember his drag name, but, but I've I've seen him dressed in his drag. Yeah, because he's a very um, famous for drag pantomimes. Queen. Yeah, but I think. Am I right in thinking this, Moxie? Is it kind of come from where in when theatre sort of started, let's say Shakespearean ish times, women were never allowed to act because. They just weren't because of rights and stuff. So men would play women's roles because there were no women, essentially. Yeah, and then yeah, you'd get your most attractive teenage boy to uh, to play the heroine. I think it was because they assumed women probably couldn't handle the mental strain of it because that's usually why women would be precluded from things. Like, oh, she can't possibly do math. Singular. <laughs> I'm going to stress that. We, we'll get into our debate of maths versus sport. It gets even worse when it, it goes into Spanish because you have to make all of the adjectives agree with the word maths. Mm-mm. So when you're saying, I like maths, it'll be, I like the maths because they are fun. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, now I'm going to have to like ask someone from America who learns Spanish, uh, not, so like not a native bilingual person, if they learn it in a plural or a singular, because of course we use singular math to refer to any and all math collectively or individually yeah and then on the flip side we say sports uh plural unless we're talking about a specific sport whereas in british english sport means can mean the entire pantheon of all types of sports yeah we're kind of reversed on that yeah we call it in when we're in school we don't have sport we or sports we have pe Physical yeah, physical education. education. Yeah, well, no, I'm talking That's about like not gym class, but yeah, but, but we're talking about sports. Sport. Oh, just in general sports. Yeah. yeah, the general collective of sport. 
I don't we, think ours is singular, theirs is plural. I don't think I, I. I so few. I so rarely talk about sport. <laughs> yeah, I, I me, guess. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I think. I mean, sorry. I was just looking at pantomime stuff to see if I can find a Michael Ball and pantomime. Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like we could talk about this forever, but I. It is getting a bit yeah, later you, now. Yeah, you were on shooting for us to stop on the hour. It's thirty-three past. <laughs> so. No, it, it was more just like a general goal because obviously here it's like ten thirty p.m. and oh, Megan's got work tomorrow. I do have work tomorrow, so you I need have to, to, to do deal with kids. Whereas I'm here homeworking, so yeah. So he'll so just be stuff. sitting back in his uh, pajama po- pajama bottoms with his feet on the coffee table, laughing at you. Yeah, literally, Pre- more or less. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I do get backache and neckache now, so we're looking at improving the home office, which is currently just a sofa and a lap tray. But it's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, my my husband spent an unbelievable amount of money kitting out his home office because he has a, a desk that can uh, that can raise up so he can stand at it and he's got two monitors and they've got their own little special stand and he's got his laptop and it has its special stand and just like all right, that's almost what I spent on that car you've put into your home office I hope you're having a good time <laughs> we're looking on Facebook Marketplace to pick up some drawers for like 20 quid yeah <laughs> so, we're trying to buy a desk please. for like 40 pounds off of Facebook but that's the enthralling part of our life but Moxie so that we've I'll include uh, details in the show notes and all that sort of other jazz as well but is there any last things you want to say and also where can people find you in your show well if for whatever reason you've decided you'd like to hear more of my voice you can check out my weekly podcast Your Brain on Facts a weekly half hour of things you never knew you never knew also available in book form and if you want my voice without the facts you can head over to moxielabouche.com to book me for voiceover work Wonderful and basically for any of our UK listeners if you like QI it's basically the next best thing in a podcast Oh that's uh, high that's high have- praise <laughs> that is. I mean, you've got no such thing as a fish, but genuinely, I prefer your brain on facts. So that's the truth. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna emblazon that. Oh, I'm gonna cross stitch that onto a sampler. I'm gonna have, have t-shirts printed. I just like yeah. my show's better than fish because <laughs> because no such thing as a fish <laughs> is one of my favorites. Like it's one of the two that my husband and I actually listen to together. We have our you know separate catalogs of podcasts we listen to, but on the weekends we listen to uh, No Such Thing as a Fish and Sawbones. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I used to, I used to love, uh, no such thing as a fish, but as my podcast catalog has been growing, it's harder and harder. I don't have enough hours in the day yeah. to be able to listen to what I want to listen to and music and et cetera. Um, I, I'll, I'll mention it. People know where to get me on my show, but, uh, do you say you're airing this on? Well, you go ahead and go ahead and do the full plug so that I have it for my Wonderful. show. Do you want people to know where you, people find you, Megan? I mean, if people are interested in, in finding me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, at grits gets fit and it's where i track my uh weight and health journey and that's g-r-i-t-t-s grits gets fit i just want to spell that just in case i'm glad you clarified that because we would spell grits differently yes. yeah because that's a different type of food oh god <laughs> it's a lovely food okay 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 we're back we're back to it what is so i didn't know it was a food i thought maybe it was a short version of your last name it is a short what? version of my last name that is that is the case okay okay <laughs> What kind of food is it then? Yeah, and, and uh, to, to sum up grits very quickly, it's sort of like the country cousin of polenta. Oh, yeah. Megan loves polenta. I do like polenta. Yeah. I only found out what polenta was literally. Yeah, it's a, it's, a white, it's a white corn and a larger grind. And um, yeah, it's basically con- the country version of polenta. 
Oh, awesome. Cool. Well, with that fun fact out of the way, the fun fact about me, um, I have a podcast called Genuine Chit Chat, uh, and I have honest conversations with interesting people, and the very interesting Moxie Labouche has been on the show before, uh, so you can go check that out as well in the magic bat catalogue of episodes. And you can find me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. And if you really like Star Wars, I have a Star Wars podcast called Star Wars Comics in Canon, and that is found on the feed of Comics in Motion. New episodes of Genuine Chit Chat are out on Sundays, and new episodes of Star Wars Comics in Canon are out on Saturdays. There you go. Good plug. Wonderful. Yeah, we definitely need to, to do this like every six months or so. Yeah, we just we just watch loads and loads, because we watch lots of American content, and you watch like a bit of uh, UK content, and we just... Yeah, I mean, because you mentioned Blackadder already. I bloody love Blackadder. I want to clarify. Blackadder, Monty Python. Oh, yeah. No, I was just, I was just re-watching it this week, because I'll just put it on and... I don't even need to look because I have it, the entire thing memorized. It's, it's so good. Season one, I don't think is as good as season two, three, and four, but... No, and when you watch... Because I, I got into it like on season two. Yeah. And then much, much later saw season one and I'm like... And I was seeing season one. I'm like, how did this get renewed for a second season? I know. It's really weird. It's also... Se- it, it could have ended before it even began. Yeah, I mean, season one is basically just... like, Have you ever seen Mr. Bean? I don't know if that's in America. The mate, the guy who plays Mr. Bean's worldwide. Yeah, Mr. Bean is famous. Okay, move, o- move, move over Pitbull because Mr. Bean <laughs> is Mr. Worldwide. Okay, well, Mr. Bean, like Black Adder, is basically just early Mr. Bean, but in like medieval times with Brian, Brian Blessed yelling a lot. That's basically what season one is, and then oh, but that's the best part. <laughs> season two and season four. I, mean, season... I love Brian Blessed. I, I like Brian Blessed. He is cool, but he doesn't make a bad show good or. A silly show, not silly, I suppose. But series two, three, and four, man, no. Ooh, t- gold. Yeah, they just kind of needed to. They just had to work out who the characters were really going to be because in the first one, Edmund is stupid and Baldrick is clever. Yeah, and that that wasn't sustainable. We had to reverse that, you know. <laughs> and then once they got everybody settled in, then it was great. But I don't know if you've ever noticed, as each series progresses, uh, he gets farther and farther away from power because he starts off as a prince. And then he is a lord, and then he is the butler to the prince regent, and then he is an army captain. So as history continues on, he just gets farther and farther away. Mm, I didn't notice that, but that I didn't. So that's a really yeah. that's another fun fact. It is always a school day with you, Moxie, in the best way. Not for Megan, because Megan's school days wow. are very different days of the week. <laughs> wonderful yeah but she gets paid to impart knowledge i'm doing this for free <laughs> yeah you do because you're just the passion of it yeah but sometimes i get sworn out by children <laughs> yeah i did well, i do it because i've got all this shit in my brain and it just has to come out there's a finite amount of space once it gets full we just data dump <laughs> i mean that's why i have a podcast just so I don't, i'm not talking all my thoughts at megan all the time and if there's a podcast she's interested in, she'll ask about it, and I can give her a little footnote <laughs> for what I spoke about. Cherry pick the information. There you go. Well, it has been another fabulous time talking. Megan, it was great getting to virtually meet you <laughs> yeah, and, nice uh, meeting and getting you. all that extra insight from different parts of Europe. So that was like a bonus. Yeah. I mean, it's been, obviously, it was lovely. Yeah, it was lovely meeting you. you. And um, yeah, we'll definitely have to uh, sort this out again midway through the year or something next year or whenever springtime or something we'll uh, have another thing we'll just keep doing this until we've run out of things to ask each other there's going to be so many things that's just oh i'm pretty sure on. we'll find enough to compare and contrast oh yeah we'll find more things to compare and contrast and next year we can debate which one's better merry christmas or happy christmas i mean merry christmas i was gonna say merry christmas 
Oh, good. I won. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, cool. Well, and what we'll do, uh, just to clarify as well, Boxy, um, with editing and whatnot, did you want to do it separately or did you want me to do it and ping it over to you? What's your sort of... Uh, see, whereas I am, uh, mine is an intensely edited show, so I've got a completely opposite yeah, experience. Yeah, my Star Wars show is a bit more edited, but that's because it's just me talking, and I do jumbo all of my words and say yeah. the completely wrong things sometimes. So I, I sympathise in that regard. That's a good thing about having a guest. You kind of just bounce off each other, and if you have like a, a meltdown of the mouth, then you can just keep that in sometimes because it's kind of funny for the conversation. It's more real. It's all more, what's the word? Genuine. Genuine. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that coming, Roxy. I, I was trying that. to help out. Okay, well, on that fabulous note, why don't we actually wrap it up? This is a, a hell of a Jewish goodbye we're having here. And I will talk to you guys, hopefully, sometime later. Yeah, definitely. We'll speak to you, go- we'll speak to you guys. We'll speak to you soon, Roxy. Bye. Well, you know, I've got, I've got split personality, so yeah. <laughs> Two for the price of one. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. And just to clarify, next week, and I think the week after that, I will not be releasing an episode of Genuine Chit Chat, and I will not be releasing an episode on my other podcast, Styles Comics in Canon, either. So this one, as well as the recent Thrawn episode I did of Styles Comics in Canon, are your last bites or listens to my voice to the end of the year, unless you listen to the Mandalorian special that's going to be airing on Comics in Motion, I believe on either Monday or Tuesday, which is going to be talking about the finale of The Mandalorian. So that's really all you can expect from me till the end of the year. I've already got several podcasts planned and many of them scheduled for January. Um, so it's going to be the second weekend of January is when all my podcasts are going to kind of get going again. I like to take this Christmas time off to just do nothing that I... Even if it's editing or anything like that, I just want to chill out, not worry about anything, don't have to spend you know copious amounts of time writing show notes or artwork or doing anything like that and i can just have a breather really it's a a really good thing for both myself and megan because we're both off work for the next two weeks which is going to be amazing uh so yeah guys you know as i kind of said i've got a few record uh, due for recording in january none of them have been uh pre-recorded or anything like that so it's going to be interesting i've got filmmakers i've got bands i've got other podcasters i've got more collaborations i've got lots of other cool things going on in the background um so you know Make sure you stay subscribed to this channel uh, slash feed. Make sure you follow me on all the social media places at Genuine Chit Chat. Uh, that's on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Uh, make sure you check out my other show, Star Wars Comics in Canon. That is on the feed of Comics in Motion, which has a different show relatively every day of the week. There's loads of great shows on there, including the friend of the show, Tony Farina, who pops on here quite frequently, uh, and also the Mandalorian special that I briefly mentioned. Each week, we've basically been doing a, a review of the last episode of Mandalorian, as well as some nuggets of information and things connecting it to the wider Star Wars canon. So we've had it as a variety of hosts. It's been myself, Dave Horrocks, Chris Phelps, and Scott Weatherly. Scott Weatherly, I've collaborated with on this podcast as well. Dave and Chris are the creators of comics in motion and we this time last year did like a big star wars collaboration where we did a run through for all the star wars films and some predictions for rise of skywalker and then in january of this year we actually did rise of skywalker as well so lots of cool things that we've all kind of done together so the four of us are going to be all speaking on monday which is as of recording this tomorrow and it's, it's going to be loads and loads of fun i can't wait to talk to the guys all about that sort of jazz i imagine that episode will then air tomorrow really late in the evening or more likely tuesday morning uh, so you'll still have a bit 
bit of time before Christmas to listen to our thoughts on the Mandalorian and everything that happened there. So very, very exciting stuff. I've been doing uh, recordings with Scott of 20th Century Geek along with Megan. We've been doing stuff to do with Batman. So make sure you keep an eye out for that in 2021. It's probably going to be January, February sort of release. Uh, and I'll be sure to, on social media and on here, I'll be sure to mention that and include links in the show notes and whatnot. All the other guest things I've been doing recently are in the show notes of this as well. You know, I've been on Comics on Trial twice, once defending, once prosecuting Star Wars. I've been on the Scott episode about Scott Pilgrim which is the TV and movie show I've been on Indie Comics Spotlight which um, we spoke about The Second Coming and Billionaire Island with the author Mark Russell uh, there's loads of different things and I've, I've planned many more collaborations going forward in the future and I'm very very excited for it. I've done a few other recordings here and there that I won't speak about yet either but you know, it's a fun time. I've got a lot of exciting things planned for 2021. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you check out my chat with Claudia Gray, the Star Wars author. I had a great fun speaking with her, and I've actually already got in the works another Star Wars author that I'm hoping to be speaking with early next year. So, so closer and closer getting uh, to people who are creating the Star Wars content, so it's really fun being able to speak with um, all those guys while all this cool new stuff is coming out. Um but yeah, I, I think that's about it, really. Um, you know, I hope you guys all have a good Christmas, a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, and whatever celebration around this time that you and your family celebrate. I hope it's excellent, and I hope that everyone's end to 2020 is better than the rest of the year has been for a lot of us. It's been a, a very peculiar way, a very peculiar year in a, in a variety of different ways that no one could have really predicted, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys have fun, you know, stay safe and things. Uh, don't get too drunk, which is what my mum normally says to me. Um, and yeah, I'll talk to you guys in 2021. I'll still be vaguely active on social media. I'll retweet the odd thing and maybe post occasional photos and things. If I get really cool stuff for Christmas, I might take a couple of photos. I do have these really cool Legends books, uh, Book of the Sith and the Bounty Hunter's Guide, which are very interesting. Um uh, to do with Star Wars. So, you know, I'll probably be taking photos of them as well because I've been reading them a little bit. Uh, yeah, and for... It's just a lot of stuff going on, really, and Lockdown 2 is back in business for the UK and there's a lot of other mess that I'm not going to get into. It's just me sort of rambling, really. Um, but yeah, I really, really appreciate everyone listening to the show uh, this year, especially in the lockdown and pandemic and things where a lot of the listenership has been down. I really appreciate everyone still listening to the show and getting into Star Wars Comics and Canon and checking out the feed of Comics in Motion and all that jazz as well as all the uh, collaborations I've been up to and guest spots and all these sorts of other things I've been doing. I really appreciate just all the support from you guys listening and also the ones who reach out to me and tell me as well. You know, comments and emails and contact is always much appreciated. But if you are just a quiet listener and you don't wish to interact, I'm not going to force you. Don't worry. I do just appreciate you listening to this. And yeah, it means the world to me. It's been a, a good year for podcasting, especially because obviously I launched my other podcast. And loads and loads of cool people I've met through podcasting and you know even speaking with Claudia Gray speaking with people at Moxie all of that just makes life generally better so I'm just very excited to see what 2021 sort of brings for genuine chit chat and styles comics and canon and where to go from there but um anyway guys thank you once again as always for listening I hope you all have a great end to 2020 and a good start to 2021 reach out to me on all the usual social media places at genuine chit chat as a Christmas gift you could give me a review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts or any else you listen to this but listening is a good enough gift of its own if you don't want to review it and stuff but you know sharing via word of mouth and all that jazz really helps too and one last thing to add is that in episode 44 of Genuine Chit Chat, so quite old now, um, myself, my friend Bradley, and my friend TJ, we did a podcast about Christmas. It was a lot of fun. It was, you know, two years ago now. But, you know, episode 44, make sure you check that out because that was a lot of fun to do too. 
and last year myself and Megan did a podcast with our friends Nick and Kira that was episode 76 and that was Christmassy related in general it kind of started Christmassy and kind of veered off a little bit but as I say episode 44 and episode 76 are two other Christmas episodes of Genuine Chit Chat if you wish to get into that sort of thing too anyway guys enough from me thanks as always appreciate all of you hope you have a good start to 2021 and I'll talk to you then